Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. I have this memory of my dad taking me deer hunting when I was little. And um, it was kind of early kind of early evening late afternoon and we were making our way out and we pulled up on the side of the road and we crawled through the barbed wire and we trekked it must have been a hundred miles into this mile section to find the tree that my dad wanted to climb uh, when there were perfectly good trees in our yard and so we climbed this tree and he put me in it and we waited The sun continued to go down further and further, and we waited. Every once in a while, he would do this thing to where he would chatter at the squirrels that would be in the trees around. And he would do this thing. Then he would, this, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it, I mean, I know what it is now, but when I was young, he brought a horn with him. It was a terrible horn. He was like, that's it. That's all it did. And nothing came. The sun went down, and it was time to get down from the tree. And we climbed down from the tree. We started out into the darkness. Made even more dark because of the canopy of oak trees that were in this area. Pitch black. He turns around and he looks at me as we're... And he's asking me to do impossible things like... Walk quieter. Okay. Don't breathe so much. And other impossible things like, stop talking, you know? (laughs) Stop talking. And we're on our way out, and he stops, and he turns around, and he says, stay right here. Don't move. Oh, that's not good. That's good. That's not good. I'll be right back. And he said something like, I'm going to circle these gro- this grove right here, and I'm going to come right back up here in just a second. Let me see if they're bedding down over here in the whatever. I'm still terrified, you know? Wait right here. And disappears into the dark. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience to where nature gets so loud it almost hurts your ears, to where the silence is so silent that it doesn't matter what you hear. You know? Nah, I'm peeing. I'm peeing. It's over. It's over. It ain't, it ain't happening. Like, it, I gave it up. Gave it up. It's not happening. I mean, it didn't matter. It was so deafening. And he must have been gone two minutes. But it was a lifetime. He comes up behind me and taps me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, come on, let's go. We got to the truck. He was disappointed. I was thankful to be alive. Because here's what happens. When you are in the darkness, this weird thing happens to where all of your other senses heighten. You can't see, so you're listening with your eyes, like into the darkness, like what is that noise? Trying to locate, pinpoint what that noise is. You know what it's like when you walk into the house or you're laying in bed at night and you hear this noise and immediately you're like, did the pans fall over? Did the door open? Is it the air conditioner? Is it the closet? Is it the boogeyman? Is it, what is it? Should I get a gun? Like this is the, 
And you run through all these things and you're just listening as hard as you can listen in the darkness. I had never had one single thought of all the things that were in the woods, real and imaginary, that could kill me while he was with me. While he was with me, none of those things crossed my mind. Real or mythical creatures that could jump out of the woods and eat me never crossed my mind. And when he disappeared from sight, immediately I was like, I'm eaten. I am going to be eaten right here in these woods. The darkness has a way of, of crippling our whole body. See, eyesight is the thing that ties everything else together. 80% of what you learn comes through your eyes. When it comes to complex organs, if it were a race or a contest, the brain wins. The brain wins. But second place is the eyeball with two million moving parts. The eyeball is this incredible, incredible thing. Let me read you a quote. This will just blow your mind. Charles Darwin described the eye as one of the greatest challenges to his theory of evolution. The eye, after all, is simply incompatible with evolution. In his Origin of Species, chapter, uh, chapter 6, he has a section entitled, Organs of Extreme Perfection, which begins this way. To suppose that the eye, with all of its inimitable contrivances and adjusting the focus for different distances and admitting different amounts of light and for all the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Charles Darwin looked at the eyeball and was like, okay, I give up. I got nothing for this. It's too perfect. When it works. When it doesn't work, the system tends to flail a little. It tends to struggle to put all of the pieces together. Let me read to you exactly what the eyeball does, just in case you don't know, okay? This is just interesting to me. I want to read it to you. When light rays reflect off of an object and enter the eyes through the cornea, you can see that object. The cornea bends and refracts. The rays that pass through the round hole of the pupil, the iris, opens and closes, making the pupil bigger or smaller. This regulates changes in, this regulates the amount of light passing through. The light rays then pass through the lens, which changes shape so it can further bend the rays and focus them on the retina. The retina, which sits at the back of the eye, is a thin layer of tissue that contains millions of tiny sensing nerve cells. These nerve cells are called rods and cones. Because of their distinct shape, cones are concentrated in the center of the retina in an area called the macula. When there is bright light, cones provide clear and sharp central vision, detect color, fine detail. Rods are located on the outside of the macula and extend all the way to the outer edge of the retina. They provide peripheral and side vision and detect colors and fine details. Rods also allow the eyes to detect motion to help us see in dim light and at night. These cells in the retina convert the light into, check this out, electrical impulses 
The optic nerve sends these impulses to the brain, which then produces an image. Do you look like you look, or is it just my brain suggesting it? <laughs> right? What if my brain is like suggesting that, does everybody, everybody, you see me with horns too, right? Because that's what's going on. No, I'm just kidding. But, but you, you could see, like that's crazy, that what you are is this thing that my brain is just telling me based on one simple thing, light. As light passes into my eyes, it is gathering information, both energy and data. And it's reporting it. It's absolutely amazing. Yet when it doesn't work, there is no light. And data is limited. Let me read you this passage this morning. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Luke chapter 11, verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it that when the light within you, see to it that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore... If your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when, check this out, a lamp shines on you. Okay, I have to admit something to you. When I read this passage, I get really confused because I'm one who likes to follow parables, metaphors, and I like them to line up. Oh, you're this, I'm that, prodigal, right? God is the Father and you are the bad guy, right? And some of you are not that bad guy. You're the other bad guy who's bitter in the barn, the older brother, right? I like those because they're easy to put together. But here's what Jesus does. Jesus stacks a metaphor on top of a metaphor, and then he just takes it away, and he puts it back, and then he adds like another character at the very end. And you're like, you're pretty, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that, but if you're Jesus, you do whatever you want. That's the difference. And I read this and I'm like, okay, where am I in this story? Who, who, who am I? What's, what part belongs to me? Let's read this first, this first go around here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden. How many of you have a night light in the closet? Oh, no one? No, because no one's walking around in there. That's why. You don't take a night light and go plug it in into the closet. That's not what you do. You don't take a candle and then go, you know, hide it in the basement. It's silly. Now, see, there's two things we could do here. The Christian, the Christian thing to do for all of us is this. I can either say, so you need to let your light shine for Jesus and stop being such a coward. That's number one. Or we can sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. Because that's the only direction we can go because if you're anything like me, you can't get your mind out of these two things. We read this passage, so this means I need to be a better Christian. Great, Rick comes, I need to be a better Christian. But that's not the story. Jesus had just come out of having a conversation with this group of people who said, show me a sign that you really are the Messiah. To which Jesus replied, no. 
No. There will be no signs given. Not going to give you a sign. The only sign that there will be is the sign of Jonah. For he was three days in the belly of the fish. And then he came out unscathed. And that is foreshadowing to something that Jesus is going to go through when he goes to the cross then he's put into the tomb and on the third day he resurrects and Jesus says you can know for you can know for sure that you won't miss the sign there will be a sign and you won't miss it how many of you ever feel like God is elusive and it's hard to pin him down and you're not quite sure what he wants or how he thinks anybody feel that way other than me Like, he's just kind of elusive at times. Like, what does God want me to do? What is God's will for your life? Have you ever had the question and then thought to yourself, like, I'm never going to find that out. Never. I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Why? Why do we have that feeling? Why do we have that thought? There's kind of this idea about we should dig in and we should learn more about God and that it's, he's kind of behind like several several doors and you got to find your way into the maze and if you get there then it's like whoo good thing i found you god i had no idea you were so lost do you remember the forrest gump scene to where he says where did you find jesus <laughs> I, I didn't know he was lost <laughs> sweet and sometimes that's how it feels and I walk with Christ. It's like, I don't know what he wants me to do. It's just kind of like praying into the sky. It's echoing around. Like, I hope it gets there. I hope, I hope. I don't know. I think part of the problem is, is we just visualize God as so far away instead of where he is, which is here with us always. If you were supposed to be somewhere else, don't you think you would be? I think I would be. If God wanted me somewhere else, like somebody should have told me a long time ago because I'm not there. Here. We view God like this mystical thing like we can't figure out. And Jesus' reply to this is like, listen, you don't take a light and hide it in the basement. And what he's saying is, I am the Messiah and I will show you. Don't worry about missing it. You won't miss it. It's pretty magical. You won't miss it. Yeah, how will we know? Oh, you'll know. You will know. Now, here we are over 2,000 years later, still talking about it. Name me another event in history that we happen to meet every single week to discuss. Any? Anyone? Anyone? Nothing. Yet, we meet here every single week for the last two... Well, we haven't been here for 2,000 years, but we've been doing this. Our people for one event, the one he was talking about, the resurrection. Oh, you won't miss it. Do you know how you can spot the resurrection? It's when that one guy comes into church and you're like, I never do that. You know? You've experienced it too. You're trying to coy and modest right now, but you've had the thought like, really? Huh, that's interesting. Never would have figured that one. You know 
that you've experienced the resurrection. When you look at babies, that's what it is for me. I'm a sucker. Just like, look at them. Little bitty fingernails on them. You know? I don't want one. You can have them. But I'm just saying, the fingernails, <laughs> they're adorable at your house. But we've already had them and we don't want one. Okay. Amazing. You know when you've experienced resurrection? It's when you're in that place to where things are not clicking for you and then somebody shows up or somebody sends an email or somebody has an encouraging word. Somebody walks by and they say something to you out of blue. You're like, huh. You won't miss it. You won't miss it. He will show up. And what Jesus is saying is this. No one takes a light, especially God, and lights it and then doesn't put it out there for people to see. The next word that he uses in there, no one, puts it, uh, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or unbolted. Instead, they put it on a stand, which I think in Jesus' case, it's a cross. But then it becomes the church. And then the church is illuminated and we leave here and people are like, what is up with those weirdos? Why do they go through hard things and then they're just okay? How do they experience a traumatic, broken marriage and then all of a sudden find a way to like put something back together and it becomes a, a, a what do you, how do you, ministry? Becomes a testimony to somebody else? How do you lose somebody who is in your family and yet you continue to live out of that, that pain and that anger and questions? You mean to tell me that's not resurrection? How else do you explain it? Sheer human will? Right. If you want to argue that one, then let's just take a bet. How about this? Cut all caffeine from your life starting now. How much sheer human will do you have? <laughs> Bad answer. Doesn't work. It can only be explained by resurrection. But then what he says is this, the reason you take this lamp and you put it out there is because, listen to this verse, instead they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. You know what this word is? Those who come in, journey. Right? Those who journey toward the light. Isn't that us? Oh, yes, I do, I do. There are times in my own walk with Christ where I do feel like I'm deer hunting with my dad, wandering through the freaking oak trees, lost, with things screaming at me and I can't see them. But when we walk it together, it's different. When he's there, when you're there, it's different. Not all of these imaginary things and these anxieties and these weird things don't plague me nearly as much when I'm walking with you. It's different. Temptations are not as big when you're there with me. I can get through them better. Thus, let me just take a little side note. I think we do a good job of talking about this, but let me just bring it up one more time. There are no lone rangers. Okay, I'm just talking to the, I'm talking to the, the ladies too, but specifically the men. There's no lone rangers. None. If you don't have a tribe, uh, you're weird. You okay with that? If you don't have a clique, a gang, some homies, what, what, what phrase do you want to use? Um, I don't know. What else? My clan? Uh, clan, probably not clan. If you got a, something else. Uh, a group? If you don't have people? A team? 
Like, do you understand? Like, that's weird. Like, you're on the outside. You're outside of a clan. Like, you, you're outside your group. You're outside your tribe. You have to be inside the deal. There's no Lone Rangers. Nobody who goes by themselves makes it. You can't grow by yourself. You can't move forward by yourself. Well, I'm just going to just, you know, just work through it myself. Hey, your answers are bad. You should get some different answers. If your answers got you here, maybe try some different ones. It doesn't work. It requires a tribe. We are on a journey. Next thing he says is this. Genesis chapter 1, let me read this to you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate day from the night and let them serve as signs and markers of sacred times and days and years. The very nature of light itself is to serve. And so if there is light and it's not being used and it's not being seen, it's not being experienced, then what's its purpose? You don't take that kind of light and just put it out there for no reason. Put it out there to draw people in. I've been doing some really, and I should get pushed down on the playground for even saying this. I've been doing some reading on the panhandle of Oklahoma because, you know, for whatever reason, I've been reading this. The, <laughs> skip that. <laughs> and I read this story about this guy who, because the land out there is so flat and it was so dusty at different times, and it was so dark, he couldn't find his way home. So he built a tower out of clay and rock, accessible for his wife, but when he would come in from working from a long ways away, she could hang a lantern so that he could see it from miles away. That's the point of light. That's the point of light. But see, here we are. Are we really talking about light? Are we really talking about darkness? Are we talking about eyes? Are we talking about lamps? Of course we are. And of course we're not. Because it's Jesus. What's he really talking about? What's he really talking about? Look at verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. Your eye is the lamp of your body. And that makes sense. What the eye does is it creates light and it illuminates everything else. Without your eyes, touching is different. If you shake hands with Greg Hutton, it's different than touching a baby's hand. If you have shaken hands with Greg Hutton, I would suggest you do that. Because it's an experience, like shaking the hands with like a cinder block wall is what it's like. Oh. Like, I'm a child, you know? But if you touch a baby, say, without your sight, how do you know how to regulate what you're touching? Without your sight, how do you brace yourself for ascending and descending stairs? How do you know if they're there? How do you know who is speaking to you? Your sight is the lamp for your body. It says of your body, but it's for your body. Your eyes produce this thing that allows you to be able to put all the pieces together. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. The word healthy here is the word single, which is interesting because listen to this play on words, and it happens a few different times, and I'm 
No one else quoted this in the commentaries, but I think it's witty, okay? Jesus says, your eyes must be single. Really? Single. When images come in through your eyes, you see right here, there's two, correct? I'm not a cyclops, neither are you. When the images come in, they come in in pairs. But that's not how they land when they get to my brain. Now, through trauma, deterioration, under the influence, sometimes double vision. Jesus says, no. If your eyes are single-minded, if your eyes can focus, be single-minded. Single-minded in what way? Single-minded in the way they can always be moving the same direction, looking for what they need to be looking for, doing what they need to be doing, focusing on what God wants us to focus on. Listen to this verse, verse 35. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Let me say it again because it's really clear. Make sure the light that is inside of you is not darkness. This is funny to me and here's the reason why. Two parts, because Jesus says see at the beginning. That's funny because he's talking about eyes. Okay, see to it then, okay, that the light inside of you is not darkness. How many of you know the difference between light and darkness? I've never at one time thought to myself, I need to go outside. I wonder where my flash dark is. <laughs> Have you? I never confuse my flash dark with my flash light. Never. I know where I keep them both all the time. No. I know when my flashlight is my flashlight. What are you saying? He says, but there's times to where you really don't know whether the light in you is light or darkness. No, I'm pretty sure I do. But see, we're not talking about eyes again. We're not talking about lamps anymore. We're talking about something different now. And Jesus is kind of walking us through this thing and we begin to transition because he says, Jared, do you not know when the light inside of you is light or dark? I said, Jesus, I do know. He says, do you really know if what is in you is really true and authentic or whether it's fake and, hip and hypocritic? Mm. Do you really know, Jared, whether the light inside of you, your motivations, your reasons, the heart, for which you do the things you do? Do you really know the motivation of what's going on inside of you? No, I don't. Then be sure that the light inside of you is light and not darkness. How do I, how do I do that? That's what we're talking about. You see, that requires a walk with Christ, a daily walk with Christ. That requires a sensitivity to the Spirit when the Spirit says, you know, we should probably slip out, get a little time alone, me and you, we need to talk. Got a few things we need to, we need to visit about, a little contemplation. We need to sit down, you need some quiet time. Mommies, let me tell you something. You need to take your babies and you need to drop them off with your husbands and you need to go get away for a minute. You know what I mean? Because mommies, you are super good at being mommies and really bad at being contemplators. 
There's no time to contemplate. Who's going to change these diapers and do these dishes, right? Moms, dump your babies off and go. You need to hear from the Lord as well. You need to hear from the Lord as well. And this is what he's calling us to. He's inviting us to this place. That's what light does. Light is always an invitation to come near. Warm yourself by the fire. Be sure that the light inside of you is truly light. How do you know? This is an example that we've been talking about for a few weeks. And I don't, I don't think I've shared it with you, but I've shared it with some other, some other guys in other groups. If you were to take a hand mirror from your bathroom, it's about this big and it's got a handle on it or whatever. You got a hand mirror and you hold it up and you look at it, you can see your face, correct? You might even be able to see your shirt. You can see that you trimmed up your sideburns, nice. If you can grow sideburns, which I can't. And so you can look and you can be like, my hair looks good. My shirt's looking good. And based on what you're seeing inside of this 12 by 12 mirror, you could walk out of the house thinking, I'm killing it today. My teeth look good, killing it today. And then you walk outside. You got on some sandals and some socks and no pants. You come walking out and your wife looks at you like, for real? That's weird. Like, what? I'm killing it. I just looked in the mirror. And see, we're not really talking about mirrors and looking in the mirror. What we're talking about is if she were to take the mirror and she were to move across the room. Oh, you looking good, are you? Let me take this. How you looking now? Not so hot, right? Not so hot. Why is that important? Because if I don't have somebody who's going to hold the mirror for me, I don't get a good shot of myself. I don't get the whole perspective. I don't know what else is wrong with me. And see, some of us, we prefer it that way. I like my time in the bathroom to be alone so I can look in the mirror and I can go, see, my world is together. And then I can go about my business. Because community scares us. Because accountability sucks badly. Because connection is scary, vulnerability is just terrifying, and we prefer to stay inside of our little bitty mirror to where I can just look at the guy in the mirror and I can be like, you're killing it today in your 12 by 12 picture. Super job, pal. When what I really truly need is somebody to get a full-size mirror and stand it up away from me and say, what else is wrong with you? You see, that responsibility lands on you. How do I be sure, Jesus, that the light that is inside of me is truly light and not darkness? This is how. That means I have to live in community. I have to invite somebody else into my life to hold that mirror and back up and be like, there's a lot wrong with you. Like your gear doesn't match and you're not killing it like you think you are. You need some help. And this is what he calls us to. Verse 36, if your whole, therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines on you. This is biologically true, by the way. Your body emits biophotons. Did you know that? Like you glow. 
Now it's like a thousand times less than what your human eye can pick up. But you glow. You truly glow. You emit light. In fact, there was a study recently to where they said the eyes, although they receive light, you know what else they do? Project it. They project light. Interesting. Jesus says, be sure that what is coming into being the righteousness of God, your walk with Christ, your community with other people, the way you live and the way you operate, the way you think, be sure that all of that is positive. Why? Because when you do, it will light up your whole inside and eventually, somehow, light up your outside. Well, does that sound familiar? Do you remember when Moses was up on the mountain with God and he was, he was, he was talking to him? And then he came down and do you remember what the people said? Like, cover your face. It's bright. Like you're reflecting this, like, like you're glowing. And it said that Moses wore a veil. Do you remember Jesus at the transfiguration? said immediately his clothes lit up like a flash of lightning same thing here that when we live in this way you know what eventually happens we become so full of light that eventually we glow you know what I've done weddings before to where the bride has come down the aisle and I had not seen her that morning and she came down the aisle and I didn't recognize her not just because of makeup and dress I didn't recognize her I Okay, <laughs> well done. Some ladies, when they're pregnant, they have that thing, don't they? Like they're electric. Like they are doing it and it's amazing and you can just see it. And these are the things we say. Man, music lights me up. My kids light me up. This creative project I'm working on lights me up. You're right. You're exactly right. It does light you up. And what Jesus is saying here is this. When you see Jesus as he is, accepting him as the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the forgiver of all of your sins, and you see him for who he is, and you bring him into your life, submitting your life to him in both confession, repentance, and baptism, do you know what happens? Your whole being full of light, and eventually it's as if the light is now shining on you. That always points to the presence of God. That glow points to the presence of God. There are some people, and you know them, right? Where you see them and you're like, they're just electric and I hate them for it. You know? Like they're just the kind of like, ugh. They walk in somewhere and they just kind of suck the, the, the life and the attention from everybody and they're just electric with everything that they do and say. That's awesome. This is what he's calling us to be. How many of us are truly living to that expectation of light? How many of us have drawn the shades on the inside a long time ago? It's too hard. Too hard. Too mad. Too bitter. I quit. Let me read you this verse. And then we'll close. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Ephesians 1, 15 through 18. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus 
and your love for all of God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and in his incomparably great power for all of us who believe. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask the same thing that Paul asked for the church in Ephesus. Lord, that you will enlighten us, that you will open up the eyes of our heart Lord, so that we may know you better, so that we may understand your people better, so that we may love one another better, Lord, and that we may invite others into a relationship with you. We love you and we thank you for everything you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon.